right, here we go. We are just a week away from Easter at Newwalk. We've been in a series called Influencer, kind of preparing us, not just for Easter, but beyond as well. I want to tell you about the Easter times one more time before we head into the week. I know some of you, you're pretty clear on this, but others of you, I just want to make sure you know what's happening. So we'll put the times up on the screen, and we just walk you through these. As I shared last week, you see two different colors within the times there. We see purple and green. All right, the purple ones represent where we're doing a glow hunt, a glow-in-the-dark egg hunt out in the field. It's very popular, uh, so popular, we went from one to now two of those. So those are the 7 p.m. times on Friday and Saturday, the green ones, the helicopter egg drop. And so you can figure out which ones, you know, your family wants to be a part of. Uh, there are eight different times kicking off on uh, Good Friday. Uh, we said last week, yeah, it may be different with the helicopter or the glow hunt outside, but inside every service is identical. So it doesn't matter which one you come to, kids ministry, in here, music, message, all the same. And so you can come Friday night and you'll get what is happening on Sunday as well. I uh, hope that you'll look, see which time you want to be a part of. You see on Sunday there, April the 9th, that's Easter Sunday, the 9 and 11, I think I shared this last week. If you, if you like coming at 11, you got somebody you're bringing at 11, that's the time they want to come. I get it. I just want to let you know it will be probably the most jammed up service of all, 11. So biggest crowds, most cars, most kids. If you want to like uh, find a different time that's less crowded, it's going to be any time other than 11 a.m. on Sunday. And so maybe you're picking another time that you could come to, be a part of, uh, and, and, and still get, every, get the full experience there. Usually those three and five ones are very lightly attended, so those are great options. You can spend the morning egg hunts doing your own thing at home and then come here in the afternoon. Uh, there'll be a lot of visitors to our site at 9 and 11 a.m., though, on Sunday morning. One other thing I mentioned last week is that we have a baptism service at the very end of all of the services, 7 p.m., going to wrap up the night. Anybody that came to know Jesus Christ can be baptized that night or any of you who've been waiting to be baptized. You can be baptized on an Easter evening on Sunday. Easter Sunday could be a very special experience for you. And so we're having that at 7 p.m. on Sunday. Let me share with you uh, a, a one last thing I did want to kind of put in your ear. You know, we're, we've got a boot camp happening right now. This is for people who are trying to serve and uh, be, serve in our church. They're not currently serving, and so they're ready to take that step. I think there may be some of you here, this is your church home, and you haven't yet taken that step. All right, you can't attend boot camp because it's happening right now. But I will say this, if you still have a desire to serve and you need to take that step, uh, you can just write serve on the back of that little connect card you got when you came in. We will get with you this week. We still have some slots that need filled. Here's something cool. We're approaching 100 new servers to our church over the last few weeks. So that's really awesome. And we say thank you for those of you that have taken that step. If you still haven't taken that step, we'll get you plugged in somewhere. Write serve on the back of your connect card when the buckets pass in just a little bit at the end of our time together. You can drop it in the bucket and we will get in touch with you this week. All right, let me share the scripture with you. I think it's a powerful scripture. I think all scriptures are powerful, of course, but here's something very powerful for our time together. It says this in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him, talking about God who is able, he's able to do immeasurably more in us than we could ask or imagine. 
according to his power that is at work within us. I want to give it to you in another translation that I think kind of makes it a little easier to understand the power of these words here. In the message paraphrase, Ephesians 3.20, it says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it, but he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us. You come to know Jesus Christ and the scripture reminds us that that Holy Spirit of God is in you. It goes to work in you and gently and deeply begins to change and shape and rework your life. That journey, that process of a lifetime is so powerful, not just for you personally, but as we talk about influencer, it's powerful for the influence that you and I are able to bring to others as we allow God to do mighty things in our life. By the way, if you're here this morning and you're struggling uh, in your walk with God right now, you're confused, you're going through some difficult times, some difficult situations, great news. God wants to gently but yet powerfully guide you on that journey. He's not surprised by the things you're maybe dealing with, but if you will invite him in, his spirit to get to work in you anyways, to let that spirit get to work inside of you, he will bring newness to your life. That change that begins to develop in you and I becomes an influence. And I said at the beginning of this series, all of us who are Christians, we... we dem- the Bible demands that we influence. It, it, it's what we do. And I would say this, maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. You still influence. Whether you know it or not, intentionally or unintentionally, all of us do influence. As Christians, though, we're in a unique position where, where there's a demand for us to be, to be influencers. And I want to talk today about how as we get ready for Easter weekend and all that, I want to talk about how your influence, just give you some reminders about what, what God is doing in your influence and, and kind of describe it almost in the, in the realm of a shadow of influence. Like there are people in our shadows that we are influencing, again, whether we realize it or not, it happens, whether it's intended or not, it happens. Think about it like this. Go back to your, your childhood, you know, the, the influence of your parents, whether they understood what they were doing or not, whether they were intentional or unintentional, you pick up a ton of the way that you behave right now as an adult. You pick up so much from your childhood in the home and the influence that you got growing up. I don't know if you, you've ever paid, mo- paid much attention. I, I remember you know, when I was younger and maybe some of you when you were younger as well, you remember seeing your parents and there were things they did as they got a little older. You're like, I ain't never gonna do that, you know? And I watched my, my dad, you know, like he's just there watching TV and stuff. I ain't never gonna watch TV. And my mom, the way she does this, you know, I'm not gonna do what my mom does. And then you get a little older and all of a sudden you're starting to do the things that, you know, your dad did and your mom did. And now you got these kids running around and they're looking at you going, well, I'm not gonna be like them. There's power in that influence, just the shadow of influence that comes being a parent. You know, there's things that you are encountering in your childhood that kind of roll with you, if you're not careful, some of those bad things especially, roll with you for decades of your life. Some of you could look back, your parents, the household you grew up in, maybe you're like me, and I could 
I can take a lot of really amazing things from my childhood and the influence I had from my mother and my father. Perhaps some of you have that. Others of you, it's very likely. There's some things that you picked up in childhood that, that have been very unhealthy, that have kind of stuck with you. Perhaps some of you had a lot of tension growing up in the home. Maybe frustrations. There was an addiction in the home. Maybe there were explosions of anger and consistent, constant arguments. Maybe the feeling of abandonment. You know, you're in that shadow of absence that you've been dealing with throughout your life, right? We, there is a powerful influence as we try to even sort through our walk with God, born out of just the shadow of influence in our, in our childhood. When I think about, you know, just those levels of influence that we encounter or that we put out there to other human beings, I think there's like three layers to this that I want to bring to your attention. I wrote them in my notes they're not in yours, but there is the first group that we influence the most. It's the people who spend the most time with us because they're just, they're just in sheer proximity to us. You have the greatest influence to those people who are the very closest. That doesn't surprise you? Yes. No, we know that this is the thing, right? If I, I have two girls. They grew up in my home. They really didn't have much of a choice. You know, it's like they're there. By sheer proximity, they're getting the shadow of influence from, from mom and dad. My wife, 26 years, been married. It's just like, okay, you know, she's close to me. She's going to get a lot of the shadow of influence me and her back to me because of that sheer proximity, maybe some very close friends in your life. There's another level of shadows of influence that, that come with what you might call these strategic Shadows, where there's people that come into your shadow of influence who you're influencing and, and the people that you're being influenced by where we choose, somebody chooses to be near you because they see greatness or they see something about you and they say, I want what they have, especially as a Christian, right? When people see the life that God is working in your life, they come to you and say, I strategically want to be near that person because of the influence I believe that they could bring into my life. Maybe you have great leadership skills and somebody says, I want to be near that. All right, these are strategic levels of influence. And then there's probably another group that we could say is it's almost like it's accidental or or maybe divine that you seem to come in contact with and you're not really sure why it keeps happening. And maybe you haven't even paid much attention to it, but opportunities to influence as well. What do I mean? I'm talking about maybe you go to the cafe and there's a barista there. And it's the, it seems like the last seven or eight times you've gone, it's the same barista. And it's pretty, they got like 10, but the same one, you know, is always there. And you kind of start to have an opportunity to maybe dialogue with them because you've consistently been around them. And, and it's an opportunity to kind of have some influence, it seems, because maybe, again, it's not accidental. Maybe it is divine. And they've been put in your path. You go to the gym. It seems like when you go to the gym, the same person or people are always there. And it seems like, you know, they're there at the same time. And maybe they're in the same classes or the same, they're going to the same pieces of equipment in the gym. You're sure they're not a stalker. You're pretty sure of that. All right, so, and you're like, they're just there. It seems like at the same time, it's not accidental. It seems like well, there's some, something going on there and, and it's an opportunity for influence as you continue to come in contact with this person. We're thinking about 
all of these ways that we have these shadows and opportunity to influence. And here's the thing, if you're a Christian, you're in a unique position because, as I said earlier, God demands that we would be somebody that influences, that we, that with our lives, we, we ought to be a people who, who desire to want to influence, to want others. You're in a unique position as a believer. If you profess, hey, I'm a believer in Christ, the position you're in says, yes, look at my life. I want you to get close to my life. Because when you get close to me, what you're going to see is what Jesus has done in my life. So you're going to see Jesus, and the closer you come to me and to my shadow of influence, the more impact uh, God's going to have on you through me. And so as Christians, we are in a position where we would say, here, here I am, and people are looking at us. And they, oh, I really would like to know what it is that they have. I think we all, deep down, want to be somebody that could influence. Don't we? I mean, because what is the alternative? If you're in this world and you say, I want to leave a mark, that makes sense. I think we all do. The opposite of it is this. I live in this world and I don't want to be a difference maker and I don't want my life to mean anything. I just want to grow old and die and mean nothing. Well, no one would want that. So I believe in your DNA as God has made you, you were made to be a difference maker. I think it's in you, and I could prove it. It starts at a young age. You want people to see, look at what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing something big, right? When you're, when you're young, you're a child, you're, you do something you've been working on, maybe a sport or some talent or some creative thing, and you start working on it, and all of a sudden you get it. The first thing you say to your parents is, My Dad, Mom, come look. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Here's this amazing thing I did. You want attention. You want them to see it. You want to be able to share with them what cool thing you did. It just starts at a young age. So I think it is in all of us to say, hey, look at what I have accomplished. You can see it. And when we live this out in our faith, we have this tremendous opportunity to influence. But it is true. One of the saddest things I've seen over the years is people who've lived a very invisible and seemingly forgettable life. And they come to the end of their life and they've had no influence and no impact. No one would want to be that person, but I think you all understand it can happen. So here's what I want to share with you. I want to give you six reminders about influence. We're going to go through these quick, so you got to be ready to write. And so here's what I'm going to give you intentionally uh, impacting the shadow of influence, how we can be more intentional paying attention to these things. Here's the first thing I put in your notes. Remember this, touched on this earlier. We can't forget this though. Your life already has been influenced by a casting of shadow on you. I talked about parents, right? It could be other figures in your life, but where you are today in 2023, you are a product of the influence of the shadows that have been on you in your life, and I talked about parents, I talked about households, it can be healthy or it can be unhealthy, and I've watched some of the greatest challenges I've watched Christians walk through is this lifetime of thinking born out of stuff at home, stuff that they've learned, behaviors that they can't seem to break free from, especially I'm talking about the unhealthy things. I've watched this be a great challenge, and until you recognize that there is a way of thinking that is causing you to produce, uh, to take actions and produce results in your life, 
until you realize that those things were learned and potentially unhealthy and that you desire a transformation in your life of those things, you kind of tend to repeat the same things over and over. Paul talked about it. I mentioned it last week. A renewing of the mind has to take place. And a part of the renewing of the mind I talked about last week is getting out of your old paradigms and the box that you were put in when you were raised, that you will do this, and this is this, and these are the things you learned, and these are the things, and all these unhealthy things that are kind of put on you, and this is the way you think, and it'll always be this way because it's always been this way, and you get outside of that and you start thinking about God-designed type living for your life, God-designed thinking for your life, and so in order for you and I to be great influencers, we've got to get out of the shadows of some of the unhealthy things that we've intentionally or unintentionally embraced in our own behaviors, in our own life. Here's the next thing I put in your notes. Your shadow has influence right now. Yours does, whether you want it or not. I talked about, again, intentional or unintentional influencing moments, and and that's the case for you and I. It's happening. Now, of course, as a believer, as we crave to want people to be influenced by our shadows, The way God set this up is that you're growing. Ephesians 3.20, God's doing a work inside of you. You're growing, you're growing, you're growing. And people are drawn by attention. They're drawn to you. They want to see and have what it is that you have. Proverbs 10.17 says, whoever heeds discipline. Let me give you the GLT, the Gary Living Translation here. (laughs) That's not, don't do that one. But anyways, whoever's paying attention to the guidance of God, the way we live our life is showing others the way to what real life is. By the way we live, we're pointing people to Jesus, the way to real life. But then it says this, but whoever ignores correction, the correction from God, you call yourself a believer, but you don't follow God. You lead others astray. And I've mentioned this before, and this is personal for some of you, but this is your story. You you became very fogged up and confused about what Christianity was because you lived in a home where your parents said one thing but lived another, and it was hard for you. And yeah, that fogs up Christianity. I say I live one way, but I actually don't live that way at all. And we fog up, our our shadow fogs up other people's lives intentionally or unintentionally by the way that we are living. Here's another one for you to write down. Your shadow is always going to be consistent with your life. The end of the day, the people you're influencing the most, they're going to get what they're going to get, and what they're going to get is what's actually in you. They're not going to get some... You could put on a facade at a distance, right? But when people get into your shadows, they're going to get really what's actually there. Proverbs 27, 19. As water, look what it says, as water reflects the face, so one's life, your life actually reflects what? Your, Your heart. So everything that's reflecting from me comes out of my, what's going on in my heart. I think about a shadow. A shadow is really a reflection. It's not a projection. It's a reflection. It's, it's, it's me. And, you know, I could look at my shadow. Think about shadows in general. I could look at my actual shadow, and I could wish 
that it would be a little different, like it would show some, I've always wanted some nice biceps, and I wish, you know, that the shadow maybe could be something different, you know, and I'm, I'm 6'2", and when I was younger, I could dunk a ball, but now I can't, but I think if I could get maybe like 6'6", now, and, you know, maybe I could still dunk or something like that, I don't know, and it'd be nice if the shadow could, but the fact is, is the shadow, it, it, it's me, and when people are in that shadow of influence close enough with you over time, they are getting you. They're getting what's actually there. They're not getting a projection. Let, let me tell you what projection is. Projection is what I want others to think I am, but I'm not really. Projection is AKA Instagram. You know this, right? And We've talked about it. People put whatever they want you to think about their life there. Here's the good things. Here's the shiny things. Here's the best poses. Here's the way I look. All right, the, the, the tough things aren't necessarily there. So you're getting a projection. You hear people say, oh man, I see what they got going on online. I want so much what it is that they have. No, 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 no. Don't make that judgment of influence by a projection. You're, making, you're paying attention to real influence, which comes in that shadow of reflection of what's really going on in my life. I think you understand this, right? Like, if I want to share compassion with others regularly, but I don't have any compassion in my heart, that compassion towards others, it's not going to happen regularly. If I want to exude kindness towards others, but I don't have any kindness in my heart, it's just not, it's not going to happen. That, that influence of, of kindness is not going to happen because it's not in me. If I want to show others the love of Jesus Christ, and I don't have the love of Jesus Christ in my heart, the influence of the love of Jesus, it, it, it's not going to happen. So it is really about what's actually going on in you. Here's another thing I put in your notes. An impactful shadow comes from God's ongoing work in our lives. Yeah, it is the, it is the transformation in your life that captures people's attention. Some of you have had a really beautiful encounter with Jesus where maybe it was an Easter or Christmas or some other Sunday or weekend at church. Maybe it was at a youth camp when you were younger or some other experience where you did say, I want Christ's forgiveness of my sin and God forgive me of my sin. I'm ready for new. And, and it was special. And, and I don't doubt that it was very real. It, it probably was. But but you stopped there for some of you. Or at some point on your Christian journey, you've kind of stopped. And the thing that gets influence, the thing that gets more attention from people is not you saying, hey, Jesus forgave me of my sin. I mean, I think that's great. What actually changes people's lives around you is when they see that transformation taking place, that you are not living like you did before Jesus. It's that ongoing thing that's got to take place. Is it happening in your life? Are you influencing because of the continued transformation? Remember the scripture we looked at at the very beginning? God is gently strengthening us in our life and our walk. We're revealing influence to others by that transformation continually in our life. It reminds me of this moment when uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, who's getting a word from God to reveal to 
God's people. He's getting a word from God. God says, here's what I want you to do, Jeremiah, if you want to get the next word from me. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to go down to the potter's house, the potter's shop. I need you to go there, take, check out the potter, and sit there and watch and be quiet. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 18.2. Go down to the potter's shop, God says, and I will speak to you, Jeremiah. I'll speak to you there. <laughs> if I'm Jeremiah, I'm like, why, why have I got to go to the potter's house to hear from you? Can we just do this right here? Like, just tell me whatever it is you need to tell me. But of course, God had something he wanted to reveal to Jeremiah. So he goes down to the potter's shop, and he's there, and he's watching this potter shape and mold this soft, gentle clay into what it needs to be. And he sits there and he watches and then he hears from God. And what God reveals to Jeremiah is something so powerful for where we are in the year 2023. And here's what it is. Some of you who know this scripture, you know what it was. God says to Jeremiah, my people, here's a problem. They've decided to be the potter. They've decided to play God. They've decided to be large and in charge and self-indulgence and self-build up and look at me and, hey, look at me, I'm big time, I'm large and in charge. And they've forgotten that, hey, I am the potter and, and they are to be the clay. And I want to continually shape them in their life regularly that they would stay moldable constantly in their life throughout this journey, allowing God to continue to craft and shape them. Or perhaps there are some of you, this is your story, the revealing of what's going on in the potter shop is that some of you have said, you know what, God, I've decided I'm not moldable anymore. I've arrived. <laughs> Look at me. Christian has arrived. And I, I've seen it. I've heard it out of the mouths of Christians. I, I, don't, I, don't, need, I don't need that. I, I, I've been a believer a long time. Have you stopped being moldable? Because again, it's the transformation continually in your life that people see and encounter. It allows them to encounter a changed life in you. Have you decided to be a shaped and moldable piece of clay with God? I love what it says in Hebrews 6.1. It says this. The writer talks about our advancement in our spiritual journey. It says this, therefore, look, here's what we need to do as believers. Ready? We need to move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to, to what's that word? To what? Maturity. maturity. Talking about a spiritual maturity. He says, we got to get past like not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and moving towards a faith in God. Oh, that's Okay, when you came to know Jesus Christ, that's what it's talking about here. It's, you turned away from your old way of living. Suppose that's what you're saying. I'm turning towards Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sin. I'm walking away from death eternally and moving towards eternal life now. I've turned to eternal life. And so what the writer here is saying to you and I is that, hey, it's time to move past that time of salvation. That's the beginning point. You, you move into deeper spiritual growth. And how does that happen? It, it's that allowing of that moldability continually in your life, moving into spiritual maturity. I wrote this down in your notes. Our greatest impact does not come from our access to many, but access to a few. 
if you're going to be an influencer, it is in those closer settings with people. I think I said at the beginning of our time together, this influencer series several weeks ago, I said it's probably easy for somebody to sit back and go, oh, yeah, Pastor Gary, you, um, it's easy for you to talk about being an influencer because, yeah, you get a stage and a microphone, and you get all these people that listen to you, and they're watching online, and they're paying. And so, sure, you get to be an influencer, and now you want us to kind of be influencers. I feel like it's a lot easier for you. And I say to you, no, 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 no. I can share some things, some next steps for you, maybe inspire you to make some decisions or choices in your life. But if you're going to get my influence, baby, it's not going to happen here. It's going to happen in closer settings with me, where we're, you're getting what's really reflective of my heart. That doesn't happen Fully, full on in, in larger settings. It happens in more in these quiet, influential settings. If you're going to be an influencer, you've got to invite people into those shadows. You've got to crave to have people around you closer in those shadows. Jesus models this for you and I over and over again. I don't know if you've paid much attention. There's, yes, there's the time where Jesus was with the crowds. And he's inspiring and sharing with miracles. But then, regularly, he moves away from the crowds and dials in consistently, constantly, one-on-ones and smaller group settings. And it's in those moments, I think you understand that the greatest influence is coming from Jesus in those smaller settings. Think about it. Zacchaeus is up in the tree and there's huge crowds and he's trying to get up in the tree so he can see Jesus. And Jesus calls him out into one-on-one, let's go to the house and let's go spend some time talking. There's the woman of the issue of the blood and she's in this huge crowd and Jesus comes right up one-on-one with her. Then there's that moment, maybe you remember in the scriptures in John chapter 4, where Jesus goes to this well, a Samaritan village, and he waits for this woman. I, I think probably if I was Jesus' campaign manager, which it's good that I wasn't, but if I was, I would have said, no, stop this one-on-one. Go to the crowds. Do more of the big stuff. You know when you did the fish and the, the bread thing? With the 5,000, that was so big, man. Let's get some bigger crowds. Let's do some more cool stuff. Let's do more of that. But no, 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 Jesus broke away. And in fact, his disciples struggled with. They're like, why are you here? Oh, we're, we're, gonna, we're over here by the well. We got work to do. Well, you know, Jesus was waiting in John chapter four. Beautiful story. If you haven't read it, you should go read it. He waits for this woman. Had some problems in her life. And he sits with her and he shares and reveals truth about who he is. And he reveals truth about her life. And he says, I know some things about you. And she can't believe it because she doesn't know how this person could know about her. But he knows because he's God. And he says to her, you've had five divorces and the man you're living with now is not your husband. He just calls her out, you know, and he starts sharing love with her. Just a one-on-one time. And folks, I just need to tell you, if you're not studying these scriptures, you're missing out on something so powerful. You know what these scriptures reveal to me and you? That no matter how low you are, you think about Zacchaeus, you think about the woman with the issue of the blood, you think about the woman in John 4, no matter how, what you're struggling with, no matter how low you are in your life, 
God knows what you're going through and he wants to connect with you very deeply and personally and he wants to do something in your life. He wants to reveal himself to you. The personalized nature of God is revealed in these scriptures. I hope you will look these up and spend time digging into them. In these moments though, Jesus is impacting individual influence to make a difference in one person to then influence others and that is the story of this woman at the well. Here she is in this Samaritan village, and she has this encounter with Jesus, and the next thing we see in scriptures is that the entire village is impacted because of what Jesus revealed to her and now her testimony. If you're in a low place right now in your life, if you're in a tough place right now in your life, you are in ripe position to be the miracle for God as he impacts your life that brings change to an entire village because of what God has done in you. Look what it says in John chapter four, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I'd ever done. The crowds are big, but the one-on-one -on -one moments are the village changers. You and I have those opportunities to find those people, invest in them in our own lives. Here's the next thing I put in your notes, and it's kind of the last thing, but I'm asking you to hold tight. Uh, some of you may be aware of this. I don't know if you are, but we're receiving communion together in just a moment, so we'll ask you to kind of hold tight, but here's the last thing in your notes. Obey the impulses of obey the impulses and decide to take the risk. And I want to challenge you specifically about this week coming up. Take some opportunities this week and beyond this week, but to obey the impulses and take the risk. What am I talking about impulses? Those moments where God says, hey, this is a moment where you should take the step out and influence somebody else. This is the moment where maybe you need to invite somebody to church and influence them that way. This is the moment where you need to share what Jesus has done in your life. And it's going to feel risky. And it's going to, it's got, your knees are going to shake. Or maybe it's going to be a little tense in that moment. Like, what's going to happen? And, you know, how's this going to work out? But you're going to push past those kind of fears and concerns. And you're going to take the risk. And you're going to share some type of influence about your faith with somebody else. I heard another pastor share it like this. He shared, uh, he shared something called the seven-second challenge. And he was talking about, and people in therapy will talk about this as well, that there's a moment of action where you pause in your mind over about seven seconds that, that it's kind of a game changer for your response to anything in life. If you just pause and be quiet. As a believer, we would say, pause in those seven seconds and turn to God before you respond. And the seven second challenge I want to share with you is in those moments where you're in a situation to share with somebody that you think God has put in your path and the shakiness comes in your mind, should I do it? Should I not? I'm nervous. You take those seven seconds, God strengthen me. And now I'm going to take that step, push past 
the fear, take the risk, and I'm going to invite them. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're in the grocery store, and you're in line with somebody, and the person in front of you, you can tell she's hurting, or behind you, maybe it's the cashier, and you've got the invite cards like you've got on your seats, and I would encourage you, take a stack of those with you this week. We've got more on the way out. You've got the cards in your hand, and you, you have this moment where normally you might let it pass by, but you push past sort of the concern or the fears, and you say, I'm going to invite them. They're gonna, I'm going to invite them to Easter at New Walks. So they could hear about hope for their life. Or are you going to tell them about your faith? Maybe, let me give you some seven-second challenge examples uh, further there. I think that I've got them for the screen, but yeah, we're going to give out invite cards. Maybe you write somebody online that you know is hurting or struggling. You write them privately. I love it when you all share our services on social media and tell everybody what's going on, but you're gonna privately, as God is revealing to you, some people who maybe need to be a part of Easter at New Walk. Maybe you think of five or 10 people that you just, you're gonna directly send them a, a message of invite or, or text or, or call or text a graphic and say, come join me, you know, one of these services. We're gonna have Easter at New Walk. And you're just gonna pray throughout the week. God, I've put those seeds out there to invite people. I'm praying over those invites. Yeah, it, you're going to have to push through the nervousness. It, you know, sometimes we get those butterflies. Oh man, should I do it? Oh man. I heard it said like this about the advancement of our faith. Somebody said this in those moments. The assignments of God are oftentimes carried on the back of butterflies. Oh man, should I do this? I'm going to push through. I'm gonna take the risk. I know some of you would say, Pastor Gary, you're asking me to invite somebody potentially that maybe I've invited 1,000 times already and they've said no. I get it. What if though the next invite is the one that they say yes to and that's the moment where they become the miracle and an entire village is changed because you took time to influence and invite. Let's look at that scripture one more time. Ephesians 3, 20. In the message paraphrase, God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it, not by pushing us around, but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us. Let me pray and then we'll come back. We'll set up communion. Let's pray. God, you're revealing right now to somebody here who's maybe in a situation where uh, they're a Christian, but, but, but they, they've not allowed that molding, that shaping to continue. They've kind of paused at spiritual growth. They've, uh, they're not in that moldable position. God, would you just soften their heart right now for a continued shaping and molding. Maybe you're, you're prompting somebody right now as a reminder of the shadow of influence they carry right now people around them that are close to them. Maybe you're prompting somebody here in our time together that there is somebody who's kind of in their pathway regularly and it's time to push past those moments and just say, God, I'm gonna share with them and influence about the goodness of Jesus. I'm gonna invite them to be here at Easter weekend. God, I'm, I'm sensing that, that influence that you've called me to in my life. I believe there's probably somebody here and you're you're like what God was revealing to Jeremiah. You're, you've decided to be the potter in life. You came into this house this morning and it's all about yourself and your life and yourself and self and 
And that's a small life that ends up with almost no influence and difference making to the people around you. And you were created by a God that designed you to make a difference to people around you in a God way. And with his power and with strength and relationship with him, he can shape you and mold you into a new life and a new way of living. But you've got to decide, God, I surrender. I'm going to let you be the potter. The Bible says you come to a relationship with God by forgiveness of your sin, which is simply saying, I decided at one time to be the potter, and and God, I submit to you that that was a sin in my life. I don't want to live that way any longer. I don't want to be a self-indulgent, self-made life. God, I want to be God-made, God-wired, God-designed. God, I want to have God's plan for me. And so, God, I surrender to you. I accept the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ. God, I invite you in. I begin that journey with you now in Jesus' name. Amen.